Welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we are, I think officially now. We were just talking at the halfway point of the season, week nine. There's 18 weeks, which again, uh, never feel comfortable saying yet. Like week, uh, week 18, is, it feels like it's made up. It doesn't actually <laughs> exist, but there is going to be one uh, this year that we do have to uh, pay attention to. So here we are so, somewhere around the halfway mark. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, how, how are we doing this week? Doing good. You know, I flipped the calendar over to November. It was the NFL trade deadline this week, but we had no news was of it? that. It, I mean, supposedly nothing really happened, but it we was. We made up for it with every yeah. other news drop that's right. that could have happened in the NFL. <laughs> we thought we'd have, you know, maybe some big news to talk about on the, with the trade deadline hitting. And it turns out that was not the case, but the, it was definitely not an uneventful week at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, uh, that it was not. Uh, Man, what what didn't happen over the past uh, a couple of days? We'll we'll get into that just as we kind of dive into these games. So let's start with a, a really interesting game in this the first in the early slate here. Uh, it is going to kind of bring in a whole bunch of of what's going on this week. Uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati. We have um, Odell Beckham Senior uh, posting. Uh, YouTube highlights of Odell Beckham Jr. being open and not getting the ball thrown to him. Um, For anyone who is listening to this, who uh, is still of the belief that Odell Beckham Sr. was the one who made that video, uh, I I, I don't know Odell Beckham Sr.'s like technical video skills, but he did go by OBS. (laughs) Does he go by OBS? I just, that, that I don't know. I've, I've not done the, uh, the requisite reporting on that. Um, but so this has kind of just led to a thing where there, there were rumors that Beckham was going to be shocked, uh, right before the trade deadline that didn't come to pass because it's, you know, it's not that no one wants Odell Beckham at his salary, right? It's that at week nine, it's very hard for a lot of teams to fit uh, an eight or $9 million salary on their books for the rest of this year. It's just the, the timing, it, it doesn't work out because there's not a lot you can do to, uh, you know, lower that number uh, throughout the rest of the season. So uh, any type of, um, you know, a deal was going to put that salary over to someone else's cap. And there's only so many teams that even had that room. So for teams to ha- want to, be able to take that on even uh it, there was a lot of work that would have to be done on like a lot of other contracts and it's just like it's not really worth it it's more trouble than it's worth especially when it looks like he could potentially like just get released uh over the next couple of days we're recording this on thursday so as of this recording we've learned that he's been asked to not show up again on thursday this is the second day in a row and uh it we're just kind of keeping an eye on what 
uh, that situation looks like. But this kind of just goes to what the Browns offense has been. Again, it just it hasn't been clicking in the way we kind of uh, expected it to. You know, we've talked about Baker Mayfield uh, quite a bit. He hasn't looked as comfortable as he did last year. And I think the injuries are playing uh, a bit into it. They're, they're just offense overall has not been as good, especially in the passing game. But it's not really, you know, in in Odell Beckham thing. And I keep seeing the like the the on off splits uh, with with Beckham, and like because they're you know it, it, Baker has such a higher EPA uh, per attempt when the you know when Beckham's not on the field. But a lot of that has to do with when Beckham either isn't playing or isn't on the field. The Browns are going to a lot of. Uh, more tight ends and they're using play action more. Uh, and that's what we think Baker Mayfield is just better doing in general. Like that, right. That's what that offense is better doing uh, in general. That's what it's designed to do. So when um, Beckham's not on the field, they're going back to that more often. So that kind of explains a lot of that EPA because with multi-tight end sets, the EPA per play is basically the same when Beckham is on the field or, or when it's not. Uh, in 2021 right now, when uh, Beckham's on the field, 0.28 EPA per play with multiple tight ends. Um, and 0.21 with him off. Uh, it was about the same in uh, 2020, uh, 0.15 uh, EPA with multiple tight ends and Beckham on the field, 0.16 uh, with him off. So there's not a big change. The shift is that they use those multiple tight end sets more. They're using play action more, which we know for Baker Mayfield in that Cleveland offense is more efficient. So they're just using a bigger volume of that. So that's why a lot of those splits are the way they are. But I mean, they play trash just, teams, to be honest. I mean, they, all, that's also part of it. Yeah. They face nine teams in the bottom 10 in DVOA pass defense the last two years, and eight of them have been without Otto Beckham. Right. And like, is, is Odell Beckham like 2015 uh, Odell Beckham right now? No. But is he the, one of the worst receivers in the league? Also, no. Right. So there's, there's just this middle ground. And also the EPA per play splits are, it is like a Baker Mayfield thing. We have a very small sample with Case Keenum, but the Case Keenum's uh, EPA per play splits with and without uh, Beckham on the field uh, in his one start, Case Keenum was much better with Odell Beckham on the field. So this is just, it's an Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield thing that just, it's very, it's been very clear that the connection just hasn't really worked whatever the problem is but now it just kind of seems like it is a problem that's beyond repair so we're going to see this cleveland offense now kind of work with what they have from we try to get a little healthier you know in the run game we did see you know nick chubb come back you saw durns johnson uh still in there went with uh kareem hunt out so i think we're we're going to see more of this uh the multi-tight end sets and i think that is going to help the browns offense just because we know of just how how it's structured, how it wants to be setting up that heavy play action game. Um, I think that that just is structurally what this offense wants to do. So they are going to be able to do more of that, but it's not necessarily, you know, an Odell Beckham problem, but I think we are going to see a better Browns offense just because they're doing more of what they kind of should be doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm interested in the other side here, too. Uh, you know, the, the Browns, I mean, listen, it's easy. The narrative is always going to go to the easiest, lowest hanging branch. You know, you have a, a star trade for, you know, a high profile wide receiver. It didn't work out. And he's still doing 
tactics uh, that are, you know, not the kind of, you know, it just is not almost like unprofessional in a sense. Uh, so those are always going to, you're always going to run in that direction that he's going to get the blame and wear that. Um, I think it's, it's both. Like you said, it's, it's all encompassing everything that's happened. And, and it largely falls on, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Brown season uh, is falling, you know, kind of in his hands. And, you know, they were, he had opportunities to make plays last week to win the, the game on those final two drives. And, you know, Jarvis Landry definitely didn't help him. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Jarvis, Jarvis Landry had a fumble. Uh, he dropped into the past week on plays we expect Jarvis Landry to make. Uh, so, I mean, the Browns definitely now they're sitting at four and four. They've got five division games left. It's kind of in their hands. This is kind of a, you know, you don't want to say like at right this point in the season, everything a must win, but it is kind of a must win game for the Browns. Uh, you know, cause you look at their upcoming schedule. Um, they've got to try to win this one. Uh, so, I mean, these two teams played really fun games last year. So I'm excited to see kind of how this plays out. And, you know, Odell was hurt in the second game that these teams played and they combined for 71 points and had that shootout in Cincinnati. That's when Baker had basically you know, one of his best games is career through five touchdown passes in that game. Uh, you know, the, the defenses are a little different here, but we've still seen some performances from both these defenses to suggest that they're still capable of this game, you know, kind of being fun and having some, some firework potential. Uh, the Browns still continue to not be good on third downs and great on every other down defensively. Uh, and then the Bengals just a lot of foreign passing yards to Mike White. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, when we thought that we we're, you know, and it, we've seen this in the NFL. It happens all the time, right? You know, you, you come off. We did the Ravens, you know, come, they, they smoke the Chargers. They come off and lose the division game to the Bengals. And the Bengals beat them up and they come back and, and have a letdown. So let's not act like it's not possible for the Browns, even at their lowest point, to come, come out here and have a productive game. Uh, but I do like the Bengals side here uh, a lot. Uh, just because of like what they're doing, you know, offensively, and it was the defense that let them down last week. Uh, but, you know, the offensively, you know, they, they've really kind of found a role for T Higgins. Like T Higgins was kind of lost in the sauce the first month of the season and he, he was yeah. banged up, but they were using him as like this low a dot kind of possession receiver and really just giving all the downfield stuff to Jamar chase. And the last two weeks, they've really figured out to use both guys vertically and extend the field. And those are uh, that's, that opens up stuff for Tyler Boyd, like we saw last week. So, I mean, the Bengals are still a team that's trending right in the, in the right direction the past month. They are number one in the NFL in pass rate over expectation uh, on early downs. So they're starting to throw the ball and be more aggressive. Uh, so I'm looking for the Bengals, you know, to come back here and, uh, you know, really kind of, you know, come back with the passing game here and uh, really try to put some points up on the Browns. Yeah. Well, it's going, we'll see how that plays out because it, the part of the offense that kind of let them down was a little bit of that interior offensive line right so later in the game when they kind of they had to pass a little bit you had like you know, Quinn and Williams doing you know Quinn and Williams things for the Jets because he is very good um so he was able to to get some pressure and that was some of those uh you know weight down pressures that they had that kind of stopped the Bengals from being able to do what they wanted to do on offense um you know the Browns aren't as quite as good uh on the interior but those edges are, are so good so um i'm interested to see how uh they are the Bengals are, are going to go about this because we kind of talked about when they they played the ravens um how 
going into the empty could, you know, spread them out a little bit and, uh, and slow down the pass rush a little bit, just because Joe Burrow is going to be so smart and get the ball out so quickly. But then we saw against the Ravens, they used some more, uh, the heavier formations, they use some, you know, condensed with split backs to, to get some extra blockers in there. And then eventually they kind of came out and, and chipped and went out into routes. And that's how we saw a couple of big plays there. So I'm interested to see, uh, how the Bengals kind of work that, uh, around because that the, uh, the, the danger for for Cleveland is definitely on those edges. They got you know, three really good guys there, and Miles My, Garrett has just been uh, incredible. So I, I don't think you want to trust you know, holding up against him one on one for for too long. Um, so uh, I I am really interested to see just just how that's uh, going to go out. And I think the, the Bengals, um, you know, as much as we you know said we still are not completely sold on Zach Taylor. I, I think they've done a lot of really cool things offensively to, to change up some of their looks and not be doing the same exact thing every week. Like you said, they've kind of figured out T Higgins that's opened up Tyler Boyd and they're, they're giving different looks that have changed up, all, uh, but still doing kind of the basic concepts of what they want to do and not getting too far out of their comfort zone. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's been really fun to watch and I'd like to see if they bounce back uh, a little bit there. Um. So we can uh, move on here. Uh, what, what else is, is catching your eye in the uh, the early slate here? Let's see. Early on, I mean, I mean Minnesota, Baltimore, and Minnesota continues to never play a regular game and find ways to just rip their fan base's heart out. Uh, but that game's set up to be pretty interesting. I, obviously, you know, the loss of Daniel Hunter kind of impacts things because, I mean, the Ravens' offensive line has been bad the entire year. And it's, you know, the one edge the, the the Minnesota Vikings would have had in this game is the front four, and they still probably do have an edge there. But, you know, yeah, because Lamar's been so bad on natural pressure so far this season. You know, um, as great as Lamar's played in the circumstances he's been played in, uh, this is kind of a unique matchup. And then on the other side, it reminds me a lot of when the Vikings played the Panthers a couple weeks ago, right? Like, you're going to get a team that's going to run a lot of man coverage and a lot of and, – and, and blitz a lot, and – if you're going to do that, you put guys like Justin Jefferson and Ann Thielen in tremendous spots to make plays like they did in that game. So it is kind of a unique dynamic. Uh, you know, I, I keep waiting for, we talked about it a lot and it was really only the chiefs game where the Ravens are kind of adjusted, but like their defensive style is going it, to, it, it's great when it works like weeks against the chargers. And then that's, it's an absolute disaster against some of these teams that have ap- really good playmakers on the boundaries uh, like the Bengals do. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach things here uh, because I think they're just going to come after Cousins again. And you look at some of the splits that especially the Minnesota wide receivers have versus man and zone coverage uh, being night and day. I mean, there's going to be chances for these guys to make, you know, be electric and make plays. And it's the Kirk Cousins spectrum, right? The Rorschach test, the roller coaster it is. You know, hit, hit Kirk Cousins on primetime, dinks and ducks, dunks his way against the Cowboys to an ineffective game. Uh, and then comes back when everyone is, is out and, you know, throws for like 350 yards and four touchdowns. So it's, I'm, I'm actually very interested in this game. Yeah. And it's just kind of like we said with, with Baltimore, uh, it, it's tough when there are multiple really good receiving options for that team because you know, they have, um, you know, they have Marlon Humphrey uh, who's been uh, playing 
uh, really well, but uh, shout out to uh, Tavon Young, who's, uh, you know, bounced back uh, from uh, not really playing the past the couple of years due to, to the injury. Um, he's been able to, to come back. He's, you know, playing the slot a little bit and uh, he's been playing really well. So I think he can be uh, a, a big piece here, uh, depending on, you know, how uh, the Ravens or how the Vikings are going to want to match up uh, against this, this Ravens defense. So I, I think we're, we're starting to see some uh, guys in that Ravens secondary, you know, stepping up a, a little bit, but still it is like it's Marlon Humphrey and then it's, you know, everyone else. Uh, and Marlon Humphrey, again, you can't guard Jefferson and Thielen uh, at the same time. So there, there are going to be uh, some openings there. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, on the other side, I mean, this, this Minnesota defense is you know, playing fairly well, um, you know, for like a, a lot of the pieces that we, you know, you wouldn't necessarily I uh, think uh, is are great. Um, they're you know third in pass defense. The, the you know downside or pass defense DVOA. Uh, the downside is they're twentieth in run defense DVOA. And when you're not a good run defense team uh, playing against the Ravens, the Ravens will try to run it down your throat, and that's you know really what they want to do. So um, I think Baltimore might be able to you know get all of those uh, yards uh, on the ground. They've been better at, at figuring out their their passing plays. They've been working some guys open. We haven't uh, completely seen the you know Rashad Bateman you know game plan fully open up. I think that's going to you know continue as he gets healthier as they work him uh, into the offense a little more and coming uh, into the second half of the season. I think they'll probably have him uh, scripted a little more in to work on some of that you know short and intermediate stuff as you know Marquise Brown has finally you know figured out how to get open consistently down the field. Um, even when his his uh, you know catch rate might be 50 50 uh, when he's wide open. But um, I think it's it's going to be a very fun uh, way to, to see these teams match up. And I would kind of expect this to be like an, an old, I don't want to say old school Ravens because it's only been like two years of what we've seen with this. But I think going back to, you know, the, the 2019, 2020 Ravens uh, of how they're going to build everything around the run game and not so much, you know, the, uh, the early 2021 Ravens when, when they were really been, you know, pass heavy and effective throwing the ball. Yeah, the, the Ravens are an interesting, you know, kind of team this year because they, you know, they've lived on the vertical pass uh, this season. The running game hasn't been yeah. strong. They've been, but they've been really good on first and second downs in, in creating yardage, and then third downs they just flatline. Uh, they're thirtieth in the NFL in yards gained on third down. They're twenty fifth in the NFL in first down rate on third downs needing five or more yards. Uh, so they're, they're really good playing ahead of the sticks. And then when they're behind the sticks, they just can't get out. We saw that a lot in the Bengals game. Like basically every third down was a, was a nightmare for them. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's interesting dynamic that they've had on offense. Uh, they, they've been forced to be pass heavier, which has opened up Lamar. And the, the offensive line has been bad too, which hasn't helped the run game in their uh, gaggle of, you know, running backs that were good four years ago outside of Tyson Williams, <laughs> who they don't want to play. Um, and then they, they might get Sammy Watkins back too. So you're going to have Watkins, Bateman, uh, Marquise Brown and Andrews all on the field together for the first time all season. So, you know, you get a little more weaponry at Lamar's disposal as well. Uh, coming out of a bye week where you can install some things and have some things to work on. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see that. But yeah, the Ravens, for as good as they played and how good of a story Lamar has been this year, this team still has like enough red flags for me to, that, 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 that 
you just keep popping up, right? Like they're good enough to yeah. do what they did a couple weeks ago against the Chargers against anybody, and you know, beat the Chiefs. And then they're also enough streaky enough and bad enough in enough areas to, to get blown out at home, like they did. So it's it's, it's interesting. Uh, this is an interesting team to watch because they're kind of an up and down, up and down Jekyll and Hyde team as well. And a lot of it just has to do with the amount of bodies they've lost along the way uh, in an in injury front. But this is a team that I think a lot of people are expecting to hit the second half and kind of have like an ascension. Um, but I still think that this is a sneaky spot for them uh, to kind of have a letdown still. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Like you said, on, on those third downs, that, that's kind of where I would expect Bateman to come in because he's just that type of body and receiver they haven't had, right? So when they're put in, you know, potentially, you know, third and medium, third and long, you can, you know, double, triple Mark Andrews. He's the go-to guy there. So if he's covered and that's not working, then the Ravens don't really have another option there. Marquise Brown isn't really, you know, that type of guy not to consistently, you know, get open as successfully on those type of plays. But I think Bateman can be, you know, that type of uh, receiver who can win on those routes, can be used in that when, you know, Mark, a lot of the defensive attention is going to Mark Andrews in that situation. So, um, yeah, very interested to see, you know, how they uh, adjust to coming out of the bye and seeing if they, they use him uh, a little more there. Um, so what is, we can, uh, you know, keep moving on. There's, you know, some interesting games like New England and Carolina is interesting in a sense of these are, you know, two teams that uh, are seemingly going in different directions right now. It might not matter a whole bunch in the grand scheme of uh, the NFL, even though, you know, New England might be pushing for that last um, uh you know, wild card spot here. It, if they uh, improve a little bit, uh, Carolina is just kind of, going from like disaster to more of a disaster uh, on offense just every week. And now uh, probably might not have Sam Darnold because of, uh, because of the concussion. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, of a loss that is. Um, I mean, PJ Walker has not been great when he's filled in, but like by EPA, it's not as big uh, of a difference, uh, even though he's completed like 40% of his passes on uh, times when, when he's come in, but he's kind of hit some big plays. So, uh, and might get Christian McCaffrey back, probably not very limited, but I think that that's such a big piece of, of that offense. Um, so, uh, and uh, like we said, when, when he went out, they, you know, you, the check down to Christian McCaffrey is like half of that offense. And, and with that gone, I think you had to, no matter who the quarterback is, had to drop back more. Uh, and that just did not work out for, for, for Darnold. Um, it, it really limited what the offense uh, could do. And against a new England defense, that's, that's really starting to pick it up. All those pieces are really starting to, to come together. It, it's still not consistent, but they have enough, uh, especially in some of these pre-snap looks with, with, uh, along that defensive line, you know, Matt Judon has been uh, as great as we expected Matt Judon to be uh, in this defense. The, the corners are starting to play uh, a little better. So I think a lot of things are like sl- very slowly. Every time I watch a new England each week, it seems like something clicked that wasn't there the week prior. So they're just like very slowly progressing. I think the offense still really lacks explosive plays and that really puts a ceiling on what they can be. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see against, a, you know, a Carolina uh, defense that's still good at getting pressure, even if they're not, you know, the greatest defense that, you know, we saw the first couple of weeks of the season. But um, 
you know, I think it, it should be, you know, interesting whether, whether this, uh, if we continue to see these two teams go in the opposite directions that they have been after the start of the season. Yeah. I don't think anyone is really, you know, believing in Carolina as like a true contender at this point, as good as the defense is Patriots are kind of a more of a mixed bag. Can they make a run? Uh, you know, this is a team that's four and four. They lose week one on a late game fumble uh, in a game that they could have won. They they have a chance to win the game against the Buccaneers. They take the Cowboys to overtime. So they've got these kind of like peripherals that look good, but they also haven't faced like really any good defense outside of the Saints and the Bucks so far. And in those games, they did absolutely nothing. So this will be a nice little test for them uh, this week uh, against the Panthers. But like you said, it's, it's slowly coming along a little, little steps forward for them. The schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, if we are down in the Browns, they got the Panthers this week at home or they're on the road this week. Then they've got the Browns at home and you got the Falcons, uh, the Titans and what's going on with them. Then you've got these two games left with the bills, but there are a lot of winnable games left. They've got a Jaguars matchup. Still a lot of winnable games left here for the Patriots uh, to kind of fight in for one of those back end, you know, AFC, you know, playoff spots, which is like, you know, I don't know if, it, if it's a, like a huge, you know, victory. I, and this is a team that I just, when you have to punch up with some of the heavyweights in the AFC, I don't know if they'll get there, but they're trending in the positive direction here. Yeah. And I think that's really not all you can ask, right? I mean, it's, you know, we, especially as it started early in the season, it wasn't all, none of those pieces were really, you know, playing up to, you know, what they they should have been. Um, so we're, we're seeing them find an offensive identity, uh, you know, a little bit more, you know, Mac Jones is, is he's, it's such an interesting quarterback, right? Cause I guess he technically playing the best of, of the rookies. Um, but he's, I think being protected the most also um, it's, it's a lot of quick game. He he's, you know, he's processing well, but, you know, like said, the, those explosive plays aren't really happening. So it does limit the upside of what the, the offense can do. So that, that continues to be a, a concern about what they're going to be this year and potentially, you know, long-term, you know, they, they don't really, you know, we've talked about this, I think, you know, almost every week now, when we talk about the Patriots, they don't also don't have guys who are going to, you know, get down the field consistently. So that's also, you know, part of the problem. Um, that could potentially be a fun, you know, Odell Beckham uh, destination. I don't know if, if that would work out, but uh, that would, that would be a lot of fun. Um, but, um, you know, I think they're, they're figuring out the run game here with, with Damian Harris. Now uh, that is, that is working well. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, in the in the muddied middle of, of the AFC, I think they, they can do good things. And I think it is, it's a positive that they're figuring out what they can do with this current team, uh, especially on offense. But right. Like you said, it's not so much that they're going to be great, but I think it just is kind of the positive steps uh, going forward. I'm not sure if there's anything else interesting, unless we, you know, want to talk about the Taysom Hill uh, experience that's going to be happening on uh, in Williams. I'm going to say for, for the Odell Beckham thing, if he does get released, uh, and I think there were reports that New Orleans was one of the interested teams in trading for Beckham. I don't know how they would have been able to do that because they're like a billion dollars over the cap just perpetually um, all the time. Um, but they have been rumored as, as one of the teams interested. If Beckham is not happy with what Baker Mayfield's doing, he's not signing on for eight games of, of Taysom Hill. 
<laughs> like that, that's just <laughs> that's not happening. But uh, but with New Orleans, I think it, it is really interesting because they were on such a trajectory, you know, going forward. And then the the Jameis torn ACL, Trevor Simeon comes in and he was fine, right? I think he he wasn't bad, which is which is all you can kind of hope for uh, in that spot. It was really the defense that that helped them uh, go forward against the Tampa Bay and. That defense played really well. They did a lot of fun things. They're they're figuring out what they can do now um, uh, with a lot of that personnel. They have guys on the defensive line who are playing well. That secondary is really starting to come together. They were given some really cool looks uh, against Brady, which is you know something they were doing even when they weren't the greatest defense uh, in the world. But now you have this New Orleans team that was kind of hitting its stride and is now going to take a complete reset. Michael Thomas isn't coming back this year, which is something uh, they were kind of hoping would happen. Had another set back announced that uh he'd be out for the remainder of the season so now you kind of have Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and it just kind of looks like what this team did last year uh which was not fun to watch yeah Michael Thomas seems like he's in full AJ Green mode he's he's just not ready to play another game for the Saints uh (laughs) I think that's where we are with with that situation uh but yeah because you know everyone's by all accounts said that they expected him to be back this week at least in the building to doing doing more things and he was just like nah I'm, i've got something else going on <laughs> i mean listen the saints i don't know what else to say about the saints they, they are exactly what they are they're a team that's going to play good defense try to play like really kind of mistake-free football funnel their offense through a running back um i mean it's crazy because they play the bucks so good but i mean i don't know maybe i'll be proven wrong here still for nine more weeks i'm still just I, it feels like this is just such a kick the can situation for the Saints. Like that's just they're going to be in the same spot they always have been. Yeah, I, it, except now it's going to be the Philip Rivers spot. Well, now if they get Philip Rivers, now I'll change everything. I'll change everything. Right, like that is that is <laughs> that is the legitimately fun option here. Um, I, I don't necessarily know who he'd throw to, but. You know, but that's same if, thing you're, the if you're asking last year, he right? If you're Colts. if you're gonna ask, yeah, if you're gonna ask a quarterback to dump off to the running back and and figure out how to make that a productive offense, like Philip Rivers is is the guy. Um, yeah, yeah, just because they just can't, you can't sustain the offensive style they played for the front half of the season. Like, it's just not gonna win in the playoffs. It's just not. It's just not. There's just no way you're gonna beat three or four good teams in a row with the brand of offense they play. So Philip Rivers would change the dynamic, though. Yeah, he, even he'd be able to get the football to some of these guys. You know, it's not a great receiving core, but they can. He can at least facilitate Marcus Callaway and Kevin White. No, the Trey Philip Smith. R- <laughs> Rivers is going to be ninety-four years old and still have like an eighty percent completion percentage throwing corner routes. Like yeah, the that, offense, that, offensive that is, that is a skill that is never going to leave him. It's a, it makes we it makes so much sense for him for them and him to explore this opportunity, uh, and and he never wants the QB sneak and he wouldn't have to, uh, you know they just bring in Taysom Hill, right? And it's not like <laughs> and it's not really like Philip Rivers has to get in game shape too, right? Like it's not like it's going to be Lamar Jackson returning like from from a half a year off where he's got to. Yeah, figure out how to how to be mobile again. I think you know Philip Rivers can kind of just stand in there and, and do what he's been doing for for quite a while. So I think that is absolutely the most fun option. Uh, not only just for the Saints, for kind of that bottom of the the NFC a picture, you know, behind the behind Tampa and in that wild card race. I, I think that 
it could be a lot of fun. And I think that's, uh, if we say it out loud enough, let's just hope it happens. Um, all right, let's get to, so Green Bay in Kansas City was going to be a fun game. It was. We, we've been robbed again. You know, Rodgers and Mahomes still have not played because Matt Moore played in the first time there was a couple years ago. Yeah. So we haven't. We were dodging the matchup. Maybe we'll get it with when Aaron Rodgers was a Bronco. <laughs> oh man, what? So what? <laughs> oh, what a debacle! Like it's it's not even like fun to talk about because it is just it's so it, like easily avoidable. Um, you know, for the Packers to have all their COVID stuff going on last week with Devonte Adams out. They had um, some other receivers uh, who were not vaccinated who were were out. Um, and then to to come back here, they had a Halloween party um, when we now know Aaron Rodgers not vaccinated, um, tested positive uh, for COVID. So uh, we'll be out. And so not only is he going to be out for Kansas City, the earliest he can return is next Saturday. So it would only be a day of prep before they play Seattle. So he could potentially be out. And that's as long as he's asymptomatic. Um, So it just, like, it it really sucks, especially in the way it it happened, where we were kind of, you know, led to believe, and I guess you can, you know, go back now and parse the words, where it was kind of very obvious in the way that Rogers answered the question in the preseason of whether he was vaccinated by saying, yeah, I'm immunized. Um, You know, looking back now, that obviously sets off uh, alarm bells, but he was going through all of the, you know, protocols and and having his press um, indoors without a mask, which is something non-vaccinated players are not supposed to be doing. They should be masked up in that, you know, situation. So, um, you know, for it, it, it just kind of shows in, the the type of environment where we are where uh this type of you know thing can completely derail a season the packers could be going for uh, the number one seed uh, in the nfc which in this current um you know setup with the playoffs the only one team is getting a buy now since last year so that one seed is so important uh and now because of uh you know and not being vaccinated, still going to a party, which again is another um, violation of the COVID protocols for unvaccinated players. Uh, you're not supposed to be uh, in a group setting with, I think, more than like three other players uh, if you're not vaccinated. So there's just, there's so many layers to this uh, that one, not only robbing us of, of a fun Packers game, but really like sets the Packers back um, for uh, the this game potentially uh, the next game um we now have you know jordan love here and i think there's going to be a, you know a ton of fines and at least i think uh when everything comes down here so it's just this is just one of the messiest situations you know you can you know possibly get heading into what should have been one of the marquee games of the season yeah and it's gonna be listen it's not gonna be fun in just a different way Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to see Jordan Love play. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, you know, Jordan Love was a, you know, a prospect that was, you know, he was awesome as, you know, uh, you know, uh, his, his 2018 season as a sophomore, uh, he just was absolutely electric and then was a disaster. His 2019 season gets drafted kind of like being a big arm, uh, you know, pro- toolsy type of prospect doesn't get on the field at all. Doesn't even dress as a backup last year. Doesn't even, you know, doesn't even, doesn't even get to wear the uniform. 
uh, in a regular season game. And now he's going to be starting against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who continue to be this team that is just kind of meandering their way through games. I mean, they they need a last second field goal against the Giants in a game that they probably could have easily have lost. They, you know, if you know, there's not an offsides play on a turnover. Uh, it, it, it's this offense is still just continuing to struggle. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes under six yards for pass attempt in four of the past six games. Uh, just, they just, it's just not clicking. And we saw them, and we also saw something from the Chiefs last Monday that we had not seen from them in previous seasons is that they tried to hide their defense. They actually legitimately set, went out of their way to control the clock and have longer drives. And we had not seen that from this team, uh, you know, yet. It was the, their largest time possession. We see them the first, the first drive of the game. They're throwing stuff behind the line of scrimmage. They're using McCall Hardman, almost like a Debo Samuel-esque type player last week. Uh, you know, maybe getting Melvin Ingram and it, it allows them to at least play some more of the base personnel that they will kind of want to play. And Chris Jones already played inside last week too on Monday night. But this Chiefs team is just still, there's just something really off about them. And we've talked about it for weeks and it just, it just hasn't come together. Um, and we, we've seen, you know, we don't, you know, TA is not on this show anymore, but TA, this would definitely be a spot where TA would bring up that, you know, Hey, quarterbacks making their first career start, the market overreacts. Uh, and these guys end up, we saw Mike white last week too, you know, the market overreacts, the lines get too big. Uh, I don't, I don't definitely wouldn't pick the Packers to win this game, but there's still gonna be cover potential here easily, uh, in this scenario here. Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, we, there's no bigger line shift uh, that we see than when uh, a star starting quarterback uh, comes out. So there's, there's been quite a shift there. Uh, it, I mean, we we're, yeah, we're going to get our, our first Jordan love um, Jordan love look here. Uh, it, it was, you know, I think hit or miss sometimes in the preseason when we did see it in uh, very limited action. And again, like you said, the, his final college season was not very good, like at all. Um, I think he was very, you know, divisive prospect coming out a lot of, uh, it was on the heels of, of the Patrick Mahomes breakout. So we got a lot of Patrick Mahomes comps, but the, the thing is, you know, for, and this is the other thing that kind of bothers me with some of the Mahomes things when, you know, we're talking about him, you know, trying to do too much. It's kind of like he was in college. Mahomes still had a 1.7 interception rate in college, right? So even when he was like trying all this ridiculous stuff and he, I think he threw, um, you know, uh, you know, 10 or so interceptions because he threw so often, it was still such a low interception rate. Um, you know, Jordan Love, when he was in college, he was trying to throw those plays and they didn't work. And he had like a, a three point something uh, percent uh, interception rate. Like it, they, they did He's not, they were not, they were not the same. He's in yeah. all prospects since 2000 and the league because in their final season, he's in the fifth percentile touchdown to interception rate. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think we're, we're going to see, you know, uh, a type of, I think like you kind of brought up Mike white, a Mike white ish game plan, right? Cause it's kind of, it's the same Shanahanian tree with the uh, LaFleur brother. Um, and I, I think what we'll see is, uh, you know, a lot of those, the, the play action, the boots, um, I think we're going to see a heavy amount of Aaron Jones uh, in the passing game, you know, Devonte Adams should be back. So that obviously always helps, um, you know, when you're playing the Kansas city, it's not bad to just find out where Daniel Sorensen is and seeing who he's covering and throw to that guy. I'm sure that's going to be a big part of the game plan there. Um, so it's, you know, well, as you know, 
much as we would have liked to see Rogers, you know, like you said, I think this is probably the, it's weird to say because of Chiefs, but this might be one of the best teams that, you know, Jordan Love could have to step in uh, to be a starter. Cause right now Kansas city is, is not doing a lot of things well uh, on defense. So, um, you know, I think we, we will see a heavily scripted offense and, and a, a heavy offense that's going to protect what this quarterback should be doing. I don't think we're going to see a lot of those, you know, wild throws that we saw from Jordan Love either, you know, in college um, and that kind of got him in trouble. I don't think Green Bay is going to be asking him to do that. I think we're, we'll see a lot, a lot of that boot, a lot of the, the short underneath stuff. And I think that they're going to work their way uh, down the field like that. And I think because of what, the Kansas city offense has been doing and how they've been defended. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, uh, short passes and runs uh, in this game, just because of how it's going to be designed on both sides of the field. Uh, So that'll, that'll bring us to the Sunday night game, which is, it it might not be the most interesting game to talk about on the field, but so much of what happened off the field leading into this game, Derek Henry now uh, out, Probably for uh, the rest of the season, you you know, we would think. I believe he has a, a fracture in his foot. He's on IR. Um, it's going to be um, you know a very significant injury for a running back, especially one that big who has had you know so many carries. It's you know for a while you know we kept saying you know maybe Derrick Henry you know is the exception, and it the guy is always the exception until he's not. And when you have a, a billion carries, um, you know, for, for a running back, especially, you know, two years in a row, this is, you know, he had such a heavy workload last year and then going into this year was even bigger. Um, so, you know, we just, we always see that it's going to uh, break down some of these running backs. So it, you know, as much as we wanted Henry to be the exception, sometimes it's just, you know, he is until he isn't, and and that's going to uh, potentially significantly alter what the Titans, or or maybe not. That that might also show up. It might not alter what the Titans are going to be doing because we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, Tennessee has been real good when they've you know been in eleven personnel. Ryan Tannehill's been good uh, throwing against light boxes because they've been spread out. The AJ Green when he's or sorry AJ Brown, uh, the AJs and, and colors uh, got uh, mixed there. Um, when AJ Brown has been healthy, especially last week. We saw how he can, you know, take off and completely change that passing game. Um, so I would have liked to, you know, maybe see them, you know, tr- have traded for like an Evan Ingram uh, at tight end to maybe, you know, embrace that spread just a, a little more. And you just and wanted really, any team to trade for Evan Ingram. Well, yeah, I mean, the Giants should have gotten anything for him, but yeah, I, I would have liked to see him in, in you know, in offense like this where. Um, you know, they, they could have embraced going spread a, a little bit, use some, you know, bigger bodies now that have speed. Um, and that's what they have in, you know, Julio Jones, if, and when the more, so if uh, healthy with AJ Brown, I think, you know, having a more dynamic tight end could have helped there and really, you know, it shifted some of the philosophy of what this Titans offense uh, could do. Um but now I think it's going to be interesting because I think I think we, we will still see them, you know, go you know heavy play action. I think that's just kind of structurally what this uh, offense can do. But we're going to have to see them, you know, pass a little more. So uh, I'm very intrigued to see what uh, Tennessee thinks of their offensive personnel and what they feel they should do without Henry. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the big question. Yeah, uh, that you kind of hit upon them trying to swerve into going and embracing maybe more of a spread take. And I, all their indications based on the, every move that they've made have been that is there was never never even a consideration for them. Uh, you know, you have this player like Derrick Henry who is just basically, you know, he, he's accounted for almost 35% of their yardage gained. It's the most of all running backs, 42% of their touchdowns. That's second. Uh, he's the only player in the NFL that has over 50% of his team's touches. Uh, you, you're not going to replace that. The interesting thing is that they, they're not, they weren't even really good running the football with Derrick Henry. Like, right. it, they just ran it a lot. They just ran the football a lot. On a per-play basis, like the, there wasn't a lot of success there. So when you, when you replace Derrick Henry with inferior talent, like whoever gets carries here, Jerry McNichols, Dontrell Hilliard, Deontay Foreman, uh, 36-year-old Adrian Peterson, it's just this, this, this offense wasn't running the football well with Derrick Henry on a per-play basis. It was just volume. So what are we going to get out of these guys? And, and the big run where you could, <laughs> yeah. you could run Henry enough that yeah, eventually that run would, would come. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. that's what sustained that that running game. And if that's not there, that's it's going to be very hard. We're you know going to see what a lot of these other offenses are are run heavy on first and second down, putting themselves in in third and long. And that's not a sustainable way uh, to play offense. Yeah, and this is a terrible matchup for them to try to feel out, like to feel out where this thing is, uh, because you know they're probably going to be forced. Well, they're going to be forced to, to to throw in this game, regardless. They would have been with Derrick Henry at some point. Because, you know, you look at just where, how this Rams offense is operating and they're just absolutely decimating these inferior opponents. Like, you know, we always talk about teams that like maybe let some teams like hang around and the Lions in a scoreboard, they did because, you know, they, they sold out and went for all those fourth downs and, right. you know, put them so there. But like, we've seen like this offense against the Giants, not the Lions and the Texans now three weeks in a row those defenses have had no answers. Like, the, and, and we have yeah, another, right. de- and we have a defense that is, on that same spectrum uh, in the Tennessee Titans that they're just going to, they're going to, they're just going to, sh- they're going to shred them and they're going to have to throw. <laughs> and now you've got Von Miller added to uh, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald uh, in, in, in the pass rush situation. It's, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a tough game to figure this thing out. Then after that, uh, you know, it does, there are some spots where it gets like where they could play a slow down pace a little bit more and probably won't get pressed on the scoreboard a lot because they you know you play the saints and a good defense but another team that's probably not going to you know just boat race you on the scoreboard the texans the patriots same boat good team but not gonna you know press you to 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 make a track meet and the jaguars the steelers the 49ers the dolphins the texans so they're it's open the rest of the way for the titans to play like a boring brand of football but this one matchup is not (laughs) is not set up for them to feel out this process so i think they're going to have to throw a lot and we might not see them run a lot of play action just by default because we've seen them early in the season when they were behind on the scoreboard they abandoned the play action a little bit and that might happen here uh, at least Julio's playing. It looks like he's going to play. I don't know for how long, but he's going to dress. It looks like and be on the field. But uh, this is just a tough spot, I think, to figure this thing out. It would be a game where you needed one of those Derrick Henry soak up touches, try to control the clock type of situations, uh, because this Rams just juggernaut is not going to be slowed down by this defense at all, especially uh, you know at home. Yeah, and I mean it's it's going to be fun to see what this Rams. The team now looks like, especially with they added Von Miller, <laughs> and you know it, we can say you know Von Miller, the not you know the defensive player of the year version of Von Miller, but we've you know seen just 
putting guys. We saw in, with Watt. Yeah, Watt was the same way this year. Right. Yeah. You you put him on a defensive line with other really good players. And yeah, you put you know JJ Watt next to you know Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden. It's been it helped out, but it's specifically for um, you know the Rams just putting guys next to Aaron Donald because of how much attention Aaron Donald gets opens up that edges really more than any other, you know, defensive line. Like we, we've seen it with Leonard Floyd right now. Floyd has, <laughs> uh, is among the, the leaders in Saxon. He's not a particularly like great one-on-one, uh, you know, pass rusher. Uh, but now you're going to add, you know, Miller, uh, to that. And it's just so good. So the, you know, the, the Rams use, um, you know, like a, a three, three, five look mm-hmm. and, you know, you can, you know, whether three, three is, you know, what it, the two of those linebackers are, are edge rushers. Right. So, but they'll use three, you know, interior defensive linemen, which have been really good. Obviously one is Aaron Donald, uh, Sebastian Joseph day has been, uh, has been really good uh, against the pass, uh, this year as a pass rusher, you know, he's putting up his best numbers and he's a really great, you know, run defender interior. You have, uh, Ashawn Robinson too, who can you know, play the run. You have, uh, I think Greg Gaines who played a little bit last week. They can rotate some of those guys in. And now you're going to have those three interior defensive linemen, Leonard Floyd on one side, Vaughn Miller uh, on the other side. Uh, you have one off-ball linebacker and who uh, was uh, Ernest Jones this past week, their, uh, I think, third-round pick um, after they traded uh, Kenny Young to uh, the Broncos uh, the week prior. Uh, but uh, Jones stepped in, and he played really well. Um, and, you know, you're lowering the responsibilities for that off-ball linebacker when you're playing behind that five-man front, uh, right? And, and then they have, you know, such good corners and, and Jalen Ramsey and what you can do uh, you know, moving him around. That makes everything easier up front too. So they just have so many of these pieces uh, that are clicking. So I love this addition. Like we can, you know, talk about, you know, whether a, a second and a third was, was an overpay for Von Miller. And, you know, maybe it was, but also, that I think that is the price where you get Denver to pay $9 million of that salary. So you're basically getting Von Miller for, for free. You're not paying him anything. So, um, and I think when, when you look at what the Rams want to do, they are a team that it they're in a weird spot because they are one, one of the best teams in the NFL, but also not necessarily guaranteed to be the best team in their own division. So I think you have to be looking at some of those edges to try to uh, improve in any way you can. And, you know, the Rams aren't giving up on the draft, right? I think like we've, we've also seen that like, oh, the, the Rams hate draft picks. They, they don't, they'll guarantee they get good players for those early round picks, which they've been able to do. And now, but, but having that so many stars on their roster allows those later picks. They can be hyper-focused on the roles they want those guys to play. And that has worked out for them. So they can take a lot of swings on what they want to do. Like Jordan Fuller right now, fifth round pick two years ago, they identified exactly what they want him to do. John Johnson leaves, he steps in and he is now, you know, the play caller on defense. He is playing that role perfectly. You had Ernest Jones, who we just talked about was a third round pick this past year. They identified the traits of what they need uh, a linebacker to be, which, you know, is not the same as what 
uh, a team who heavily relies on on that type of play it would need from a linebacker. So they're, they're able to like hyper focus on what these guys need to be, and they can take multiple swings. Like they they're still projected to have like eight picks. Um, you know, a lot of them are going to be in on you know day three, but they're still taking so many swings here. And I think they've really you know been able to figure out what they're looking for in those draft picks where they can they can play specific roles. Um, now I think you, we've seen Robert Rochelle was a, a fourth round pick. He's playing more. He was a little shaky on the beginning of the season, but it, it playing a little more as he, um, as the season progresses. So I, I, the Rams aren't giving up on the draft. And I think this can be, you know, eventually it's going to run out, but for right now and what they're doing while these guys are still in their primes, you still have, you know, Jalen Ramsey in the prime, still have Matthew Stafford uh, while these guys are still in, in their primes and playing good football. I think this is a sustainable way to, to build their team. Um, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch how they, how they do it for, for the rest of the season and how it goes into the off season, because I, I think they're, they're doing things the way it probably should be done to be, you know, pushing some of these edges, you know, if we're going to, you know, talk about how, uh, like on, on fourth down, we're going to kill a team for not going for it when it changes like 1% of win probability in the game. Um, if you can be making some of these moves to, to make you a better team and help your, your Super Bowl odds, uh, potentially even just that much, I think that that's a good move to make. So I think the Rams are doing really good things. And I think the, the criticism of the trade and a lot of their, you know, um, you know, all in type of type of. Uh, you know, team building, uh, I think some of the criticism that has, has completely you know, just missed the point. Yeah, I mean, we've seen and, the Saints do something. We've seen the Saints do something like this too, you know, for a stretch of when they were already established, your quarterbacks in place, you're on the door, uh, you, you know, you're acquiring players that are proven assets uh, and you're using late round picks and you're trying to, you know, like I said, fit those guys into roles. Uh, and, and, you know, and also people act like the Rams just like shun the draft. Like they got good because they hit on draft picks, you know, and, right. and, and allowed them to, you know, uh, you know hitting on Aaron Darnold, uh, whatever you believe the outcome at the end was for Jared Goff, but having him be a bridge, uh, you know, guys like Corey Littleton and John Johnson and, you know, having all those successful draft picks allowed the avenue to have this, you know, happen where you could trade some of these picks and be in a position to do that and make these moves. Um, yeah, like you said, it, I can't wait for the playoffs to come down to Sean McVay kicking a field goal though in a spot. <laughs> well, so the, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how this is going to go because uh, against they went for it on they did, they did. twice against Houston, and I think that was kind of a there's no downside here, right? If we give the ball back to the Texans who cares, right? Like it's not going to matter. So <laughs> they went, they went over one on the first one, drew a, a defensive pass interference on the second one. And I think, you know, the week before uh, they went for one against the lions too, and it was unsuccessful, but same thought process, right? Like, it's- yeah. So I think we're, we're seeing McVeigh try to get a little more uh, interested in this. And I think uh, uh, Jordan Rodriguez of the athletic um, asked Matthew Stafford about that. And he seemed to be, you know, pro going forward on fourth down. So I think we've also seen uh, when the quarterback can be a little more influential in the head coach. I think we've you know, seen that with you know Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh a lot um, where you know Lamar is the very often being like, no, I, I want to go for this. And I think there's a collaborative effort there. So I think if we see that now uh, with maybe Stafford you know, pushing for it a, a little more. Um, and again, like we've talked about it, McVeigh is so good at opening up space in these 
short area, uh, you know, type of places in, in third and short around the goal line. He's so good at scheming things open in that area. Like, I, I don't know why he's not more confident in, in going for it on fourth downs, because it just seems like a, right. a team like this is so built uh, to take advantage of those types of plays. Uh, so if we continue to see that, I just like, there's still more potential for this Rams team. And we've talked about this a whole bunch too. So I think there's, there's still more there. This Rams team can get better, uh, which is really fun because they're really freaking good right now. Uh, And so uh, on that note, we don't need to talk about Monday night football, do we? (laughs) Not really. Uh, Everyone can share the pain of watching the Steelers offense. Uh, We talked about last week, the Steelers are going to be six and three, man. And people are going to think that they're like really back. Like the terrible towels are back, but man, this offense is just pain. It's just pain to watch. Ben Roethlisberger checked down on a two-point conversion from the 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, Steelers, Steelers football, man. We talked about last week, though, this, this run of quarterbacks that they faced because the Steelers' defense is still very much adequate and very much live. Yeah. Uh, and the string of quarterbacks they faced over the past – month five games and the two upcoming games justin fields and jared goff the next two weeks uh, and then the schedule like they're gonna have to really punch back uh the back half of the season against some of these quarterbacks that they're gonna face uh, but the offense is just pain and i don't and i know a lot of people are drawing the matt Nagy, you know corollary of him being absent last week but the bears limit run justin fields justin fields looked more comfortable and he made more natural plays but justin fields was it was all scramble yards so it was like all him finally making plays on his own and absolutely yeah uh, so I, don't I, I think that, <laughs> I think that played a little bit into how the offense was, was structured too. I think they, they were doing a little boots, uh, a little more, um, you know, Justin Fields, uh, having great plays booting to his left is like just a parody of, um, everything I, uh, enjoy <laughs> and, and will point out, uh, about <laughs> football, but, um, you know, I, I think there were, he was. I think more comfortable in just the, the structure of the offense. And I think that led to him being able to scramble a little more and feeling comfortable uh, taking off. So um, well, he just played is, last week. He just played. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it sounds super basic to say, but uh, yeah, he just played. I mean, everyone talks about the touchdown run he had, but there was a play earlier in the game where uh, Nick Bosa came right up the middle and like he shut yes. him and got away and, and had a, and had like a first down run and, you know, it was that was that play was just awesome you because that's what you want Justin Fields to be doing you want you play it sounds super basic but you want him playing reactionary football just to just play instead of the, the, the consistent processing that we've seen you know it looked like Justin Fields was just you know one of those quarterbacks that was just in his head for the longest time uh and you know it was just one game but you know hopefully it is at least a stepping point to where we see more of it uh I, I think they're gonna have trouble on the Monday night but you know hopefully we see some more you know just natural playability yeah, I, I still kind of feel like when watching him, I the I think there's still the most promise there of of the rookie quarterbacks we've seen. Like when it's working, that is the most exciting thing we we've seen of a rookie quarterback and i know there's been uh the other ones you know mac jones maybe more you know consistent on down to down but i think when when you see what the upside of justin fields it could be when you know everything is going to work then i i still think that's there but yeah he said it's going to be um not easy against this pittsburgh defense and that's just you know such a dynamic there between what that defense is and, and what 
you know, we hate watching the Steelers offense, but that, that defense is so good that they didn't have room to for Melvin Ingram, right? They had to trade Melvin Ingram because he couldn't get into the defensive mm-hmm. line rotation. Like that's how good uh, Pittsburgh is, is playing on defense right now, especially that, that defensive line. Um, but then just the offense is the exact uh, opposite of that. So um, I think we, we are going to uh, need, need some Mannings to, uh, <laughs> to make this uh, game game more watchable, I, I think they're not. The, are they on this week or no? I, that's so. That's what I was going to ask. I'm I'm not totally sure. I don't think they are. Right? Is it a break uh, again? No, oh, that's that's awful. Oh, we, this is a game we absolutely would need like, them for. <laughs> this is the, this, yes. This is this is the type of game that the the banning cast was was made for. Yeah. Uh, I so mean, uh... so to not have it this week would be oh, terrible. Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, on that note, uh, we are going to, uh, end the show here. Um, you can find all of our work on sharp football, uh, analysis.com. You can read, uh, all of Rich's, uh, content there, the, the worksheet, um, uh, player rankings, uh, DFS stuff, uh, toward the end of the week, everything you can find there. We have a lot of other, uh, good stuff, uh, coming up on this site from, from all angles, uh, of everything. And uh, again, uh, Rich has, uh, his fantasy show uh, on this same feed. Uh, we have our betting show on this feed. So if you guys are not listening to those shows, uh, please do that. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you again soon. I'm not going to